Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dimzik, powered by BetSperts. What's up, everybody? It's producer Dan. I wanted to take a minute on behalf of Andy Drew and myself to thank all of you for a great 2022 season. We had so much fun doing the show this year, but in the interest of full disclosure, we're all a bit worn out. So we're going to take the night off from doing a live show. I didn't want to leave you with nothing though. So I put together a clip show. I went through all of our season previews and put together some things that we got very right and some things we got very wrong. I hope you guys enjoy it and we will be back live next Wednesday with our first off season show. We'll see you then. Right now, it is, again, it's hard to guess, but it's looking like a much, much easier schedule. So I feel that uh, my fears will be realized and they will be a middle-of-the-pack team. But, again, yeah. they are, they're hot in the streets on Twitter. I mean, it's everybody's favorite coach of the year play, everybody's favorite to make the playoffs and all sorts of long shots. You're seeing a lot. It's not. It used to just be Knish doing this every year. Like he'd show one ticket and we'd all have a good laugh and it was a great bit. And now the whole world has Detroit tickets. Yeah. And I think that, but that, but that's like by pro you end up on, if you're at, in any way, <laughs> if you're anyway, evaluating rosters, if you're evaluating uh team strength and you're looking for a dark horse in the NFC, I don't know that you can really make a case for any other team that's not expected to do well. Uh, to all of a sudden, like to have all the pieces in place where it might work out, like that's the lines this year. Um, and you're right, Larry. 2021 season, we're joke. We're, we're not even really joking. Like that was as good as it could have gone for them. Last year's Houston Texans team was the worst offensive roster that I can remember in all my years handicapping football. That's fair. Is this them rated pretty lowly? Is this offensive roster better or worse than that team? So, and again, like the biggest problem, and sacks are a quarterback stat for the most part, but it doesn't help when the offensive line is bad. The offensive line not only didn't get better, it probably got worse. They just switched the order of the bags of garbage and got rid of a couple pieces that weren't half bad and the ones that they got rid of and replaced it's it's not like they did any upgrading so the offensive line continuing to be that bad and then trying to transition fields to a new a new kind of offense and then losing your best receiver and uh, probably worse like they have higher upside i think fields is is a high high ceiling if we can finally get him somewhere but you have a couple of okay running backs. Like you have a couple of okay running backs who can catch some passes, but the offensive line is horrible. Justin Fields is a complete unknown if he can play at this level. And your wide receiver room is bottom five. Like even, you know, this Jones, this Jones guy that they drafted is like our age <laughs> from, from Tennessee. The, and the best part is like, he, he was like some sort of returner slash scat back for chunks of his career at college. Like they're giving him Corderell Patterson comps, which apparently means he'll be good in 2030 when he, <laughs> signs, with somebody, when he signs with his fifth franchise. So like, I don't even know, like, you know, they, they Future did. Future Atlanta Falcons stand out. And I got a hot take for you, Andy. I think they had their chance this off season to put a rebuild on steroids and they chose not to do it. 
and I think it was going to, they're going to look back on this as an opportunity lost because this Vikings team is best case scenario in purgatory in 2022 worst case scenario. They missed the playoffs again, but with an underachieving season and they won't have the draft capital next year to make a move for one of the future franchise quarterbacks. So they're just kind of stuck with Kirk cousins. And that's the decision that I want to revisit a little bit because Kirk cousins had trade value this off season, considering specifically how weak the quarterback class was. Kirk cousins was a, was an asset this off season. The only other guys were guys who had been completely passed over for dead, like the Baker Mayfields, guys coming off major injuries like Jimmy Garoppolo, guys with enormous red flags uh, around them and an enormous price tag in Deshaun Watson. And if the Vikings had elected to start the rebuild in earnest in year one of the uh, Questy regime, then I think they get there faster. It was a weird year for the Packers last year. The Aaron Rodgers drama was bizarre. He missed a game because of COVID. Turned, he lied about getting vaxxed. Uh, all kinds of crazy sh shit was going on. They had all the whole last dance thing. This is going to be my last year with Devontae Adams. Last time we're going, me and you, yeah. like Scotty and Jordan. And then he gets, he cashes in with the all-time payday and lets Devontae Adams take a hike because there's not enough money for both of us sorry buddy like like just i think aaron Rodgers is not a good leader i think he's not a good probably not a good teammate and i think lafleur does not have the gravitas to go head to head with a player like that in the locker room and tell him how it ought to be and even if lafleur did have that gravitas i'm not sure he has the right vision i'm not sure he really knows the right way to build uh, a Super Bowl contending team, considering he had input on the draft decisions like Jordan Love and AJ Dillon, and you know, continuing to build on the defensive side of the ball here. Um, it's just a weird scene, weird scene in Green Bay. It's not the same kind of rebuild, but like some of what we saw from Zach Wilson, it's like that big of a jump. If you if you're thinking like the Jets will be good with Zach Wilson this year or later in the, you know, in the cycle of this rebuild, you're expecting a similar kind of jump. And I think his ceiling is probably just like replacement level. I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know if he ever quite gets there. It's one of those things where it's like, man, we saw, we just didn't see a lot of this in college. And that, that was Josh Allen too. It's like, fuck, he played in Wyoming. What if, you know, what are we, what are we going to take away from playing in that conference against those kind of teams? Yeah. You can see how far he throws the ball, but it was, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm out. I think I'm just out on him. And, okay. So and, where, so in the pantheon of makes it, doesn't make it this year in terms of proving himself as a viable option, you're out. That sounds like 80, 20. You think he fails. Yeah. I think that's probably a fair, fair assessment. Wow. Okay. I think we did similar to, maybe I'm just trying to jinx him into a, uh, a Josh Allen-esque re, re, reborn from Well, the what do we care? We don't care about the Jets. Being I know, but <laughs> I like, I like to see people um, play well. That was the biggest thing that hit me was, and we've been over this before with some other teams, but they weren't teams who were in the playoffs. They were teams with a lot of turnover. And finally, after a decade, McDaniels does go somewhere else. And you 
as is tradition in the NFL, you bring in some old rehashes. And in this case, bring in some rehashed old head coaches who were coaches on your staff, Patricia, for quite a while. So you have a defensive coordinator for five, six years before he went and took the Lions job. And you have a special teams coordinator before he went and honestly just failed miserably up in New York. And those are your, apparently it's a competition to be the offensive coordinator, which I know they don't do things the same as other teams up in New England, but why not just get a guy who knows the offense to do something? Why not promote someone who was under McDaniels from within? So I, I really, great question. I really don't understand this move. And I mean, Belichick's for years, I haven't understood some of his moves and things have worked out, but it, it feels like if you had Tom Brady at the helm still, if this is five years ago and McDaniels takes the Reich job instead, he does move on and you decide to just punt an offensive coordinator. Like, Hey, guess what? The guy who Brady is it. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. The guy who cleans up the stadium after the fans leave, he's the <laughs> offensive coordinator. Cause it doesn't matter. We have a quarterback who knows almost everything he needs to know about the damn league. He's, a, you know, he's a prodigy. He gets it. He's been around for a decade. But you are at a spot that is vital in a young quarterback's progression to hopefully being your franchise guy, if that's what you're after. And you're you're doing this. Okay. Uh, on film, his ball is poor. Uh, it I doesn't need more, have... more descriptiveness than that. <laughs> it like, doesn't have velocity. His since, since, his, uh, since his hip injury for whatever it's worth. His mechanics don't look as good as they looked in college. And uh, I am not sure that that's a fixable problem at this point. Um, maybe he does get stronger and he does develop the same velocity that he had at one point in his, in his arc, but it does not look there like he it is there now. Um, and for that reason, the idea of him being able to complete deep passes, the idea for him to be able to take the top off the defense really at all, is still a complete unproven quantity. He has not proven whatsoever that the defense needs to respect the deep ball. And when you look at the talent that they even had in the last couple of seasons, that shouldn't have been a problem for him to at least show you enough glimmer of hope that he can do that, that that's a weapon in his tool chest. And yet here we sit and it's not. Um, we talked about two years ago or a year ago, prepping for the Dolphins, that it was a really bad sign that the Dolphins and the you know locker room kind of all wanted Fitzpatrick in there in the high leverage moments. <laughs> like, that's not good. Um, and Fitzpatrick being able to, you know, kind of magic his way to wins uh, when Tua was unable to complete anything except for kind of high probability stuff over the middle, of, you know, high completion percentage stuff over the middle of the field. Um, you know, is, is a red flag. But again, it depends on like uh, when you do these downgrades, you still have to put the context to the games. Like why is this team where they're at in your power rankings? And if all their weaknesses that you've downgraded them for don't align with the other team's strengths, if it's weakness on weakness, you don't think you see an advantage despite having a little bit of an advantage against the market. It's still probably a stay away spot. But again, a strength of, Kansas City is probably going to be the passing game because they have a decent quarterback. And if this secondary is getting roasted by everybody and their sister for four weeks, 
And it's, you know, it's on Josh Allen's shoulders every week to try to keep up with this defense that like the pass rush isn't getting there because they're just throwing it. Everyone's decided like, well, the secondary sucks. The pass rush is good. We're going to throw it quick and everyone looks good. Then yeah, I'll take the Chiefs there. We all know what Buffalo's offense was. And obviously it's way different than a Jason Garrett offense. But right away, I mean, they just, everything around this is they're talking about, hey, guess what? We're implementing a modern pass-first offense that marries elements of the Bills and Chiefs offenses adjusted for the Giants' talents. That last part really stuck with me. Like the whole square peg round hole thing where he said a lot of teams would have screwed up Lamar Jackson by not using him right. You know, this is if you can take the Bills and the Chiefs' offenses, you're not going to run the Chiefs' offense with Daniel Dimes. If you can take elements of the Chiefs and the Bills offenses and adjust it to what you think the strengths of your teams are, that sounds pretty good to me. So I'm kind of on board with this offense doing well under the new coaching staff. I can buy into some of that if we see some healthiness. And I, I think it is just a, well, it can't get worse. Like they were super injured. They played a hard schedule and they had two brain dead offensive coordinators last year. Like how, how could it possibly worse? So like, by attrition, I think this offense might be watchable at times. No, I think that's a completely fair point. Addition by subtraction when it comes to the coordinate, the way that the, the scheme and, uh, and sequencing went last year, for sure. I think, I think expectations were rightfully low on the Giants last year because they went into the season with Joe Judge as a beleaguered coach and Garrett as the offensive mind in a time where that was not likely to work. And uh, Dable and Kafka on paper looks pretty sick, I got to say. Yeah, like I think you might you might see. Ideal. With, with Kafka in there instead of Garrett, you might see this offense go through a metamorphosis. <laughs> oh, Andy, my goodness. <laughs> That one. Only that the, one. I've, only the uh, only the uh, the English majors are getting that one. Yes, there's some there's some good receivers here, but it doesn't matter when you make some decisions like he did. Like Wince is bad, and he's going to get put in a worse situation. But some people are expecting to play better. Like it's just there's there's like a theorem. Like I got to go back to geometry, like transitive or additive. I'm not sure what we're doing here. It just it uh, you get to the end, but like oh no, that doesn't apply here. He he probably doesn't play better. And I guess he could surprise me uh, being a little healthier. But some of the th- I'm just remembering him like trying to throw the ball out of his own end zone right to a guy, and like some of the bad decisions he made again behind a maybe at times all world some of these players on this line with a good offensive game plan great running backs to support him and again it it wasn't super high-end receivers at times they had some problems with that but good enough receivers like if he didn't succeed in indy i'm not sure how he succeeds here so i mean it's not like some hot take to say i'm out on carson Wentz, but this isn't this isn't some step forward um, that that they need to take because they do have some good young receivers. They do have, you know, some pieces on this roster that can work out and then they just do this Wentz thing. And it just, it really makes me sad for this team because the, there are parts of this team, especially on the defensive side that I think could play well.
in a vacuum, he could improve on X, Y, and Z. His reading the defense, his adjustments, blah, blah, blah. Like all stuff that should come naturally to a quarterback who is gaining experience at a starter level in the NFL, right? He's cerebrally, he has all of the tools and, and oh, by the way, he has sort of the cheat code for young quarterbacks in terms of his mobility to where, you know, he can, he can and should improve on all that stuff. Although most of the improvement we see comes between year one and year two for these guys. And he is now, you know, he was the beneficiary of that last year, taking a team that was expected to finish fourth and making the playoffs. How much more room is there uh, to take another step forward for him is a very, very real question because, uh, you know, I, I don't look at this team last year where and kind of look at some of their limitations, some of their shortcomings and tell you that it was entirely because of who he had to throw to, which is what it would have to be for the addition of AJ Brown to all of a sudden completely change the compo- complex, you know, the, the um, compose the ceiling of the offense of this team. Right. Uh, AJ Brown is a player. I have enormous regard for. I thought that was a draft day heist uh, getting him from Tennessee and, uh, and boy, oh boy, the parallels between Philly and Miami are a little spooky, huh? You got uh, a lot of a lot of the same kind of orbit. All this firepower, all, and you all, see if you have a trigger. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So the defense is the other kind of huge, 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 huge Achilles heel for this team as far as a market pricing standpoint, because the data last year would tell you that they were clearly top ten. But as Andy laid out in the preview or in the top off the top there, it was all fragile, not sticky, not predictive, year over year, uh, you know, you know, big swings, regression type of elements that made the defense good. They had incredible luck on third downs. They had incredible turnover luck. They had incredible turnover luck that turned into amazing field position slash scores. And even a breath of regression on all that. And this defense is all of a sudden looking at, uh, you know, a much tougher uh, road in terms of performing at that level. I, yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even bring up third down defense. I went straight to turnovers cause that's even bigger, but yeah, they were damn close to Buffalo. Like I, I think I had, a, I had it up. Yeah. They were second in the league in third down defense without having Probably complete defense. Yeah, let's look at the odds before we talk about yeah. our non-betting attack. Well, yeah, we do. We did come up with one. The Super Bowl, right. three hundred to one. Should any team be three hundred to one to win the Super Bowl, Andy? Yes. This, this team. team should be longer. <laughs> this team should be. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, hundred to one to win the AFC. Sounds about right. Uh, Twenty-five to one to win the AFC South. My goodness, AFC South is not a conference that's that I have a ton of regard for, but that's a big number. number. I just don't see them getting so too many things have to go right uh, to get them to double digit wins. And I think that's what it's going to take to win the South this year. Um, Playoffs. Yes. is 15 to one. No minus 3,500. You want to tie up some scratch for the season? Take a little playoffs. No, Uh, I don't know. Uh, Regular season went. Yeah. This team not only getting to the playoffs via the South, not the wild card. So if you are feeling insane, yeah, you need an NFC least scenario. Um, Regular season win total over under four and a half, even juice, which is, that's a low number. You're going to be sweating that under. 
I can't get involved there at minus one ten. This at is all. reminiscent of like Kansas uh, football over under one and a halfs. Like it's one of those where like you're you're sitting on four for like the last six weeks and you're just sitting there sweating as it's like shit, they're 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 making a comeback against the backups. Put the starters back in. What are we doing here? If I am bullish about this team overperforming, why bet into these absurd prices for Super Bowl and AFC and not just AFC South? It isn't plus seven fifty good enough? Isn't that a good enough price? Just bet the division. What plus four fifty is not good enough to make the playoffs? Like those are good numbers for a season long bet. All right, Lions versus the Jags. It is. I gotta count the zeros. I wish they put a comma in this. Four <laughs> four thousand to one. Oh no! I'm gonna no, hit no, max no, no, bet no. on this. See what the, they're gonna let you bet two hundred fifty dollars on that to win like a million. basically a million. Yeah, li- not like literally a million. Well, I'm not betting that much. That's silly. You could say I bet two hundred fifty dollars on stupider things. I would not that's, be able to say that anymore. That, that's got to be the one. <laughs> I'll just play it to win 100000 If anyone gives you 10000 to one on anything, Andy, you take that bet. I know, but it's only 4000 to one. Oh, that's a good point. <clears throat> Lions. Uh, oh, that felt bad to submit. <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing? They are rebuilding. This is this is a this is this is a quiet tank. The way that every decision that they made in the offseason was low risk for the organization, high upside only, right? Getting a bunch of guys who had who underachieved on some cheap deals, coming off injuries, letting all of your older guys who were, you know, you know, deciding not paying Saffold, not paying Queensberry, not not paying Rashawn Evans, not paying Dante Foreman. Not paying AJ Brown, those are all decisions that send a clear signal, which is we are clear in the books. This this little experiment that we had, where we thought we could compete in the AFC, it's over. And the reason well, and was yeah, something we've said over and it's over is we've over. talked about the AFC. That is what like, the front not office only that, is telling the you. The timing. Yeah, you t- no, you tell me the now. AFC's if, tough. If we're reading if we're reading the tea leaves correctly, and I believe we are, right? You can you can nitpick who they brought in. You can nitpick their draft choices all you want. Like maybe they're not great at evaluating talent or whatever. But like conceptually, this decision making and what they're telling us, but but not saying it out loud, is it right? I say yes. I agree. I like it. The Matt Ryan arc, however, uh, has been the kind of arc as a quarterback that you use to train a ner- uh, an, an, an AI model on what an aging curve looks like. Okay, it has steady improvement up to a peak, and then steady decline. Like so, that that peak, I believe that was halftime of the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's right. I feel bad. <laughs> Everybody was thinking it. Um, it was sorry. actually about halfway through the third quarter. Um, but no, seriously, in seriousness, his. MVP year was his clear peak. Uh, He built up to it and he has regressed since. And there are lots of factual reasons you can point to that happening between the decision-making of the Dimitrov era and who they brought in, who they put around him, his Mm -hmm. salary impact on them being able to build a roster. (laughs) And, but at the same time, like, you know, 
we'll get to Tom Brady and how he has defied the aging curve and how that could be possible. But Matt Ryan has not defied the aging curve. And it, you know, and it, this is an opportunity for him to have kind of a, a positive blip, right? Uh, you know, a season that looks, you know, that, 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 um, uh, surprisingly good relative to the decline just because of the pieces around him are so much more solid. I hope that happens for him. I like Matt Ryan uh, a ton. I think he's just in general, a good steward of the game. doesn't get quite as much credit for how good he's been uh, and how long. Um, but there's a non-zero chance that he's washed. We're going to talk about two teams today who are in similar low likelihood of winning anything this year. And the way that the Falcons are doing it at least has greater, you know, kind of intermediate success potential than the way that the Panthers are. And I think realistically, this Falcons team is, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy to replace Matt Ryan. Surely it's going to take time and they don't have the answer on, on the um, roster this year, but that's not the point. Next year's quarterback class freaking rocks. And they have set themselves up well to take their medicine, to lose a bunch of games, and to get one of the top two quarterbacks coming out in next year's draft, one of whom presumably, you know, if you, you know, they may have first choice of, frankly. Uh, and even if they don't, there's not a lot of other teams kind of in the mix uh, for most losses that really look likely to address the quarterback position. So uh, I think Atlanta plays out their season correctly. They learn a little bit about whether they want to stick with Art Smith for the foreseeable future. And they set themselves up well to get a quarterback uh, for 2023 and beyond. And, you know, if that's where you are as a franchise and you're clear-eyed that this year is not going to be a year where you're trying to win games and you're just going to take your medicine and kind of clear the books, more, more power to you. Everything down the stretch was bad. Um, and they probably needed to move on from rule, but they decided not to because who knows why. So he enters this season as the coach on the hottest seat. However, again, like we don't have a track record of Tepper one way or the other firing or keeping a guy for a full season. So he ought to be your favorite for the first coach fired, but the price isn't good enough to get involved in my opinion. Um, and I think ultimately the schedule this year and the strengths on the team this year are probably good enough that they are looking at a middling kind of a finish, which means, you know, rule the, the discussion about keeping or firing rule is not even really going to be that easy at the end of the season, I don't think, um, because there are some true bright spots about this team in terms of talent on the roster. It just doesn't exist. I have a lot. Position. I have a lot of like silver linings bright spots like a lot of things that hey this could go right if everything yeah. works out but at the same time like the ceiling for this team is not a team that wins playoff games like the ceiling for this team is probably your seventh seed that just gets wrecked by whatever <laughs> whatever division's champion they get and the more i went over the saints this week the more i thought that like they probably have a pretty high ceiling. And yes, we are wearing the Saints color rush jerseys today, <laughs> all black. My shirt's but, actually navy, but you can't tell. I yeah, I, I guess I can kind of see with the light coming in off the window, but this is black. Black like the night. And yeah, the, the Saints legit probably have a pretty, pretty high ceiling. Both of these teams today have a high ceiling if things go right. 
but they both uh, probably have like a narrow distribution of like actual results that kind of tickles around the 10, 11 wins. Okay. And I'm fine uh, with that. I, and, but I, you know, I think if one of these teams won like 14 games, wouldn't be surprised, but like shit, just uh, it worked out. They didn't lose a bunch of games to injury this year. The quarterback play was what we'd hope to see. And a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stars today. There's a lot of stars on both sides of the ball for both of these teams today. And man, like this is, we delve into this a little, even though we do this as a season preview for 2022. And we obviously do have to talk about 2021 each time to kind of set the table, if you will. But we talk a lot about the future of the franchise because we like to play armchair GM. Both of these teams kind of need one because i mean you can you, <laughs> you can be the apple yeah you can create you can be creative with the cap and push stuff back but you cannot do it forever he should have been the mvp last year frankly uh you know i thought he was more valuable to his team than rogers was um but how in the fuck is he doing this at age 40 whatever and what and like where like no scrutiny at all no one asking tough questions about how this is possible no one like everyone kind of winks and nods and uh you know kind of makes snide jokes about the per you know the personal you know health guru and whatever has gotten him to this point but like i, I mean there's something else going on frankly and you know, I'm surprised that no one has been able to get anything to stick other than stupid. Balco. Femi says Balco. Remember Balco? Yeah, it was weird when Balco. Remember when Balco was really Bay Area, Bay Area Olsen, Lab Company? Yeah, the, and, the, and the Raiders had an average age of like 38 on the roster and went to the Super Bowl anyway. Sure. Uh, sure. crazy how, how that coincided but no um, yeah like even everyone, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning got Rogers. scrutiny for HGH at the end of his career I mean I guess they kind of gave him a, his wife needed it for uh, yeah. whatever. but like I am not saying that he, I don't I'm not enjoying no he's cheating him. like I don't and I don't give a <laughs> shit like I love no, I, yeah I, I still celebrate the Lance Armstrong wins for America I love cheating. Okay. Like if you're not cheating, okay. you're not trying. And he's just okay. better at it. Like he's a million years old and he's playing better than a lot of these young players. Really, his only real bad injury was just like it doesn't matter how much HGH you take. If somebody hits sure. your leg like that, it's gonna fucking it's going. come apart. Yeah. And I think the McDaniels part of the equation for me is not like I, I, like I never looked at what was going on with Carr and thought, God, if you could just get a good fucking play caller in here, this guy would emerge, <clears throat> right? Yeah. Like, that was never really it. And That's fair. Uh, and since we've seen McDaniels, I worry that he is still too much of just not a super person. <clears throat> to Impetuous. Like, is that, that's a fair way to put it. He's a red, he's a red ass, and he's, he's you know, he's he's uh he is um he has a proclivity for getting after his guys in a way that i don't think professionals really love it and i think that running his you know running his running backs into the ground and hall of fame game running uh you know just in general kind of being a red ass at camp like that's great if you are then winning and the team's like, all right, this guy's being an asshole to us, but we're winning. So 
I'll put up with it. But the minute the going gets tough, if you kind of get into the, you know, these guys face at a halftime, you're down, you know, through two touchdowns, three touchdowns to the Chiefs, and your playoff hopes are fleeting, like, they're going to tune you out. This whole division is going to be a lot of us being wishy-washy. I don't have, like, really, really strong takes on a single team in this division, honestly. Like, still listen Wednesday. I'll have some hot takes. Don't worry. I was just kidding, guys. But uh, final thoughts for me on possible, if you got to throw out a shitty conspiracy theory, I get to two. Okay. Uh, motivation for Hackett to get the most out of Russell Wilson. Do you know what I'm going to say? <sighs> no. Hackett's father, who was part of the Bill Walsh 49ers teams, uh, coached under him, got himself a ring, was fired as the USC head coach when they wanted oh. to let an NFL coach take oh. over. Whoa. And that NFL coach was Mr. Pete, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll oh. put his dad out of a job. Oh. I mean, so if we can revive, so we can revive late just, career Russ. And really stick it in Pete's eye. We get a little, uh, little revenge for the old man. Oh, Andy, that's a. I good, just, I, that's a I good just stumbled dig. on that. It made me laugh that's so a hard. Good dig. Yeah, looking at the schedule, I mean, 15, 16 wins. <laughs> <laughs> and there's coin flips. And again, it is a. We joked yeah. about this with the the lesser of halves yeah. of this division. Why would you go all in when the division's so tough? Well. The Chargers don't have a goddamn choice. They have to. They have a, like we said, a top five quarterback on a rookie deal. You don't, it doesn't matter if you have Patrick Mahomes in your division, your backyard, or your bathroom. You have to go all in. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. You have to. This is it. This is your time. These windows don't open all the time. Chargers haven't done a whole lot of anything for a while. And, yeah, let's let's go. It's a tough division. So what? You still play Jacksonville, Houston. Yeah. You play Seattle. You play Atlanta. There's a bunch of, again, you have some rollovers. You got to get those done. You got to make sure you don't do things like last year and lose to these rollovers. But a lot of these coin flip games, I think they're considerably better. I think uh, the market's a little lower on some of these teams or on, on the Chargers than I would be slightly. And a few of these teams that they play, the market's a little higher than I am. So I have this team winning more games than what's implied. And again, it a lot of it will hinge on like if Denver and Vegas are a little better than, or, you know, hit the high end of their range, then this is, it's still a pretty tough schedule with, again, the, the five or six gimmies, but it's, it's not a walkover for sure. There's a lot of coin flips and it's a tough division. Yeah, no, this schedule is has every whiff of last undefeated team. It starts out soft. If they can beat Kansas City week two, which that's, is entirely possible, yeah. then this is then 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 they're dancing. I'm gonna I mean, push back on this a bit because what makes Mahomes unique among every other quarterback that has ever played football is his physical skill set particularly his ability to deliver a home run ball. Like that is gonna, what makes him unique. I'm going to push the, back on your pushback because the I threat don't think of it, it's, the threat yeah. of it is real. And it, the threat of it has changed the way a defender, you know, defenses think about lining up and scheming defense. Really? And it's, it's fair, but I'm going to push back on the pushback okay. and say that I don't think it's, 
I think you're the first part of the sentence was right, but I don't think it's all the home run ball, although that is scary for a defense that has to scheme against it. I, I'm more scared of a quarterback who creates in space. The most annoying thing about playing prime Aaron Rodgers was like, oh God, the blitz got there, but it didn't get him. They're going to score on this play. Like your mind moves faster than your mouth can. But when you'd see Aaron Rodgers flushed and like they brought a blitz that didn't put him on the ground, you knew he was rolling out and finding somebody. And that's, that's such a, you know, that's such a key component of Mahomes too. He's just, he does work well when a play breaks down and, you know, to be fair to pushing back on the pushback that was pushback, Tyreek Hill was great about yes. coming back for the ball on plays like that. Oh yeah. But, but you still have Kelsey You brought in some other receivers. Juju Smith-Schuster is not that far removed from a really good season. This is an exciting division. This is not an exciting team to start with because and I will I'll just start with my thesis. Like everything I looked at at the end of like every segment of the team that I reviewed, I'm like, except the wide receivers room. I'm like, this is a beautiful tank. Like they are absolutely <laughs> putting they're putting together. And again, you're never going to stop a tank just by having a couple of good receivers. No, not ever. So like if I have ever seen a team that was set up to draft number one next year, I mean, it's Atlanta, Houston, and Seattle. Like there's, I don't know if I have that many teams close as far as just your probability that you could win like one game. The entirety of this fish is rotting from the head with Kaim yeah. and Cliff. I don't think either of them is living up to expectations. Which is why you go out of your way to pay those guys this last off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> despite hitting on a quarterback and having the balls to do it after taking one that you failed at, they've made nice moves. It's just that the draft has not worked out and there's been, you know, there's been some other issues and a, a lot of it has been some bad injury luck. <laughs> so Steve Kime has thrown a lot of darts and some of them have stuck. Yeah. The fact that they got production out of AJ Green last year was a gift. The fact they got production out of Chandler Jones last year was a gift. The fact that Christian Kirk worked out for you last year was a gift. The fact that uh you um you, got paid. Yep, yeah, well, he got paid by another team. Uh yeah, yeah you couldn't pay him because you had to you gotta allocate your money now to your quarterback. Um, but that's again another key point. Like when you had a rookie quarterback in Kyler Murray who you were determined to build around because you knew you had something good going there. You can take chances on Rodney Hudson, upgrade your center position. You can take chances on A.J. Green. Uh, you can go pick Bill O'Brien's pocket and bring in DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, you can go give J.J. Watt some money to, you know, to, to not retire and come try to be a, a difference maker for you, right? Like, they were afforded all of the opportunities to swing away and hit some. They made some hits, like, clearly. Like, I've, I think Rodney Hudson was a tremendous job finding him and bringing him in and having some stability on the offensive line through Hudson two seasons ago. Similarly, like, like trying with Zach Ertz, he still has tread on the tire. Fine. Good, good job. Um, they have cycled through running backs instead of paying a running back. That's, that's a good decision, right? Like, so there are like flashes of things that look uh, decent about on their resume, but then the other stuff about first round draft picks into the linebacker position, is just uh, inexcusable. Uh, getting your pocket picked for Marquise Brown, not great. 
they took him at three, they're not going to just not use him, right? And uh, yeah. hey, I guess uh, th- that's mm. a thing. And mm. I mean, if we want to go to another theme between these two teams, the Ram and the Niners, maybe uh, taking somebody at the three isn't as valuable as we all thought because, boy, Sneed doesn't think draft picks matter. So I guess nobody has to think the draft picks matter. But they did take him super high. So it always felt like, hey, this is the plan. And to be honest, like just, and we're starting here with 2021, so we might as well talk about it. Team probably should have been in the Super Bowl. Like it came down to what a dropped pick and a really, really pussy ass punt. And they should have, they, they should have, could have, would have, you know, there's a lot of what's ifs, if spots, candies, nuts, Merry Christmas in the Bay, but it's, it's a team that got hot late. Played well, had some fun surprises. Again, the the Debo and Cup aren't the same, but both these teams had a receiver just, holy shit, this guy's good this year kind of thing. And the defense, again, injuries seem to be a thing. What what team were we talking about that it, it was the Rams? That's the that's the the huge divergence between these two teams. The Rams injury luck is infinitely crazy good. Yep. And uh, basically the Niners are, the, you know, William H. Macy in the cooler. Like they <laughs> they had decent injury luck for them last year where it wasn't like for <laughs> them. They, they were lucky to win the West. They needed Arizona to collapse to make that happen. They were lucky to um, uh, get the path that they did. Right. If they're. Uh, you know, if they don't get to go, if if the Niners don't defeat Dallas and the Niners go to, to Lambeau, the Rams have to go to Lambeau that day. I don't have mm-hmm. confidence that they're getting an upset over Aaron Rodgers in that spot. No way. And then they get to go to Tampa Bay, who they match up brilliantly against instead, still eke out a three-point win. And then rather than host going to Lambeau for the NFC Championship game, they got to host Jimmy G and his busted shoulder in the uh, NFC championship game. And then in the Super Bowl, you draw a completely inexperienced Bengals team instead of the chiefs or the bills. (laughs) Like, like the, in the, in the simulated universe, this was the 1%, right? Like luck on luck on luck on luck. A lot of reasons to be concerned and or skeptical about this roster overall. Um, And, you know, at the same time, like, I mean, if they were in the NFC North instead of the AFC North, we might have a different tune. But sorry, guys, you're in the most <laughs> stacked conference I can remember in my life on top of being in a division that the uh, margins, you know, you just by by default, you're fourth. So, you know, 30, uh, 39 stuck out with me. It was actually 38. But my favorite thing about Kenny Pickett's fumbling hands was when I Googled it, the first article came up was from like a Steelers fan site, contextualizing all of Kenny Pickett's fumbles in his in his college career. Like they're already already oh, rationalizing no. this pick. Oh no! Which again, he could be very good. He was electric when he was on. He was he was a lot of fun, and it was, you know, the, the ACC is a little down. I'll give it that. But he played more games than another ACC quarterback that's on this roster. So. He said he's old, like probably yeah. twenty six. I don't know how old this guy's now. What what are what are you put the odds that the quarterback that starts in 
2024 isn't on the roster right now? Um, hmm. Not next year. I, yeah. Year after. Uh, 33%. A little higher. You're I don't a little higher. I don't know if I'm a picket believer. Cleveland overall, 2021 was a, it was just an extreme disappointment considering how talented this roster was, and I think that leads us right into then their decision making in the off season, which was, look, we've tried it every which way here, we give up, we're going to just going to back the truck up for, uh, you know, for this very clearly well documented pervert, and it's weird how that has gone down. Um, but you know, desperate, desperate times, I think is, you know, t- taking them in this direction. Um, but yeah, I guess when you step back, what are some of your kind of overarching over you know, overarching thoughts on their decision to tack into the, uh, quarterback, um, space by giving away future assets and backing up the brink truck for a guy who's a huge character question mark. If you look at the underlying stats and what he had to work with, like his ceiling is top five quarterback in the league. Yes. And those just don't come along. Like, again, we talked about this a little. Um, maybe during the middle of the summer, he said they probably had a meeting and said, like, hey, this guy is, you know, this guy is problematic. There's issues. We could be facing a big suspension. He might go to jail. I don't know. But from a business standpoint, if we take all that aside, when's the next time one of these guys is going to be available? And we can to not do anything at wide receiver three or at depth feels really weird. If you're trying to you know, get the most out of Lamar. And it was something we really were nice about this team. We said, hey, this team was great. Roman was great about, you know, fitting a round peg into a round hole and not doing the opposite, which a lot of teams do. And just like, hey, we're making Lamar Jackson a pocket passer or worse, we're making a wide receiver. You know, that was <laughs> there was, that was floated around before he was drafted. So I've, I've always been happy with what the team's done with him and, until now. And, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. So I'm, I'm not going to sit here and ponder what I don't know or can't know about how they feel about him but it, it doesn't feel good no i don't I think that's i think that's what holds this team if this team with like one more good wide receiver is like this team's upside is stupid high yeah you know what i don't they, i they don't have, mind they have all pieces all over i think the ravens have fucked up here i don't think lamar has I think the Ravens had the opportunity to give Lamar one dollar more than Josh Allen when Josh Allen signed that contract, and then they would have been they would have been done with it. Now Lamar wants Deshaun Watson money. Now it's festering. Uh, now it's festering, and the Ravens have set up Lamar in a way that if he does not reach expectations this year, other teams who are desperate are they will still give him a Lamar contract. They surely will. <laughs> Typically, if you are a young quarterback and you don't have the reps, you don't have the experience, your telltale signs are you, the game is moving too quickly for you. You're having difficulty making decisions. You're having difficulty pulling the trigger on throws because you know the, you're you're unsure of yourself. You don't want to make the mistake, and you're not a hundred percent. You you don't know what the moving parts are around you. None of that ever faced him. Never. 
right? The only dings we had of him as, as a rookie were he was too small. He needed to he needed to get an NFL body. Like was a little, yeah. he was he was a little too small. I think we compared oh. him to Kevin Garnett. We're like, if he feels out like Garnett, then we have a Garnett <laughs> was, career. Was, remember was how little KG was in like '95? Of course, of course, of course. And he was never afraid to push the ball down the field. Never afraid to make the killer mistake. Never afraid to, uh, you know, to you know never unsure of his abilities and his abilities are bona fide his ball is beautiful uh and you know i think the fact that he showed you what he did last year and kind of made that leap to elite status in a year again where he did not have an offseason because he was recovering from an acl surgery that should be that much more of signal that this guy is special and now he goes into year three with a full season of preparation and yeah, granted you know he had he had some injuries down and actually we didn't even mention that when we were reflecting on 2020 yeah, he, he, he was he had he, 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 dislocated. he messed yeah. up his other knee not obviously not nearly as bad but he had like a, a messed up knee uh he, the, the an injury not seen since nancy reagan was in the white house the throat contusion that was something <laughs>